0: We've been to church already. That was great. Raise that hallelujah. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Romans chapter 13. I'll be reading from verses 8 through 14. Romans chapter 13 verses 8 through 14. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. O, oh, no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is already the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then throw off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk decently as in the day not in reveling and drunkenness, not in illicit sex and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Word of God for us this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of worship, this time of just being in your presence, of knowing, O Lord, that your Holy Spirit is in this place. We ask, O Lord, now that you will bless us through your word as it is proclaimed, that, O Lord, you'll give us what we need to hear this morning. We thank you, O Lord, for this opportunity to just be with you. We just pray for your Holy Spirit to continue to speak to us as it has already done through the singing and through the praise. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul writes in our scripture to Christians in Rome who are trying to follow their Christian faith while living at the very heart of the Roman Empire. We can't even understand just how difficult it must have been for Christians in Rome. They were at the center of emperor worship. Pagan temples were in every corner. If you can imagine all of that peer pressure and all of that that they were facing, add to that the penalty of death and torture or being thrown in jail if people found out that you were a believer in Jesus Christ. It must have been extremely difficult for them to follow their faith. Paul's letter to the Romans is deeply theological. He wants them to understand the tenets of the faith, what they believe in, what they're standing on. But at the same time, Paul writes in very pragmatic ways to help them to understand how to apply that faith to everyday life in such a place as Rome. The Christians in Rome really needed to know how do we live out our faith and how do we survive in the midst of the Roman Empire? If you go back in the chapter to the beginning of chapter 13, Paul addressed the responsibilities that we as Christians have of being good citizens and good members of society. He understood that these Christians in Rome were under the Roman Empire and were being asked to be part of a society that did not share their values, did not share their beliefs, did not support their religious beliefs. But he also knew that it was important for them to be good citizens that contributed to the general well-being of their societies. So earlier in the chapter, he has told them, continue to pay your taxes. Give Caesar what is Caesar's and give God what is God's. Continue to do what you can to treat others with respect. Continue to treat others in God's love. Continue to give honor to those who deserve honor and continue to do all of these things so that your Christian witness will be enhanced. Paul's thought process here was simple. Being a law-abiding citizen honors God and gives a witness to non-Christians that we believe in God. When people see us behaving well and loving them, and being respectful, and being honorable in the way we conduct ourselves, God gets the glory. God gets the praise. People want to know why you're being so nice and so kind. And you get an opportunity to tell them, it's because I follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It's important to know that Paul doesn't just address public life as in society, but he also addresses family relationships, how to treat others in the family of faith within the church, and how we structure our faith based on our belief in Jesus Christ so that we can articulate that faith to somebody else. You know, it's good to have faith, but if you can't tell somebody about your faith, then you're not really being able to really live it out in your life. You have to be able to articulate it, to share it, to explain to somebody else that might not understand it why you believe what you believe. We begin today at the middle of the chapter on verse 8, as Paul is telling us to owe no one anything except to love one another. So right off the bat, we're in trouble because I don't know about you, but I've got a mortgage to pay every month. I've got utility bills. i got credit cards I pay. i got all kinds of things that I pay all the time. So how can Paul tell us that we are to owe no one anything except to love them? Well, in order to understand that, you have to go back to the original Greek to see the words that Paul is using for the word owe. The word he's using describes a perpetual, ongoing commitment or debt. Something that needs to be done over and over and over again. As Christians, we are to be loving to others in the name of Jesus. And we owe that debt not just for a little while, not just for a few days, not for a few years, for the rest of our lives. Love for the Christian is not a choice. It's an obligation. Plain and simple. It's an obligation. It is part of our sacred duty. It is part of our calling in Jesus Christ who loved us first. It is part of what God wanted to show us when He sent Jesus into the world. You remember that Scripture in 1 John chapter 4, 16 says God is love. And John 3, 16 is one of our favorite verses. For God so what? Loved the world that he gave his only son. It is love that has motivated and moved God to do everything he has done in sending Jesus into the world. We don't get to pick and choose who we love. We got to love them all. Because Jesus loved them all as he went to the cross. We were made in the image of God. So, what does that mean? If God is love and we were made in the image of God, then that means that we were made to love and be loved. We were made to be in relationship with each other. And Paul makes an argument in this scripture that loving actually fulfills the law of God. He says, if you love, you won't commit adultery. If you love, you won't covet, you won't steal, you won't murder, you won't do any of the top ten. If you love, you will follow God's rules for your life. Loving helps us to fulfill God's desire for our lives. So what is really the issue at hand? What is it that Paul is trying to get the Roman Christians to understand? The simple fact that if you're not loving others in the name of Jesus, you can't witness to them for Jesus Christ. Our sin gets in the way of our witness all the time. We get selfish, we get greedy, we get evil desires, temptations, and other things that lead us astray. And those things have to be tempered through the love of Christ. How many of you are familiar with the Hippocratic oath that physicians take? You ever heard it? I mean, I had to look it up because I knew there was more than what I knew about it because it's actually longer than just the the phrase, do no harm, which is what most people know. Don't, don't, Don't hurt the patient. That's about all we know, right? But the physician's oath actually says more than that. It says, The physician pledges to prescribe only beneficial treatments according to his abilities and judgment to refrain from causing harm or hurt, and to live an exemplary, personal, and professional life. That's a whole lot more than just don't do bad stuff, right? It talks about conducting yourself in a way in your public and private life that reflects your profession, which is a what? A healer, a person that looks after the well-being of others. In a way, Paul is advocating in our scripture for a Christian oath of loving neighbor and doing no harm, of keeping the law through love, and of measuring all of our actions through that lens. He's basically saying what John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, said in his three simple rules. Do no harm, do good, stay in love with God. I love those. They're simple. Do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. I mean, it's really not that complicated when you get down to the basics of it. What John Wesley was saying is that if we do these three things, we will fulfill the laws and the commandments of God that are written for us in Scripture. They will help us to bear good witness of our Christian faith among those around us, and they will help us to win more people for the kingdom of God. Paul clearly understood that we would have moral, financial, civic obligations to fulfill. In fact, in the prior section of the chapter, he said, pay your taxes, give Caesar what is Caesar's, but then he also says, give God what is God's. He says, remember to do what you said you were going to do You know, Scripture says your yes should be yes and your no should be no. You should be clear and transparent in who you are. Paul wants us to understand that as Christians, we can never run out of love for our neighbor. We can never be out of that love. So what happens when I got that neighbor I just can't stand or I don't like? That neighbor that gets on my last nerve, that neighbor that kind of stretches me to the limit. Paul is basically saying when you get to that point, go back to God, who is the source of all of your love. Draw from his love to love that neighbor. Learn to see that neighbor from his point of view. You see, Paul has an evangelistic heart, he is loving people with a purpose. And his purpose is pretty clear. I want to love them into the kingdom of God. I want to love them into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ where he transforms their lives and brings them into a new life with him. Paul tells the Christians in Rome that salvation is nearer to us now than the moment in which we first believed. And that is so true. Jesus is closer to returning today than he was last Sunday. And closer than the Sunday before that. And closer than the Sunday before that Sunday. Every single day we are drawing closer to the Lord's return. And so Paul encourages the Christians to throw off the works of darkness and to put on the armor of light. He basically is saying it's time to dress up for the occasion. And if you know Jesus is coming back, Get dressed as if you were expecting him to arrive at any moment. The phrase here for putting on was used of clothing in the Greek. He truly is telling us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ as you would a change of clothes. But the wording here is important. Throw off the works of darkness. Take off what you already have to put on Christ. So many people want to take Christ and put it on over what they already have. And then they look like somebody in jogging pants with a, with a dress on, on top of that. Everybody looks at them and go, ooh, that's really not working for you. It really doesn't look good. You see, we have to take off the works of darkness in order to put on the armor of light. He's telling us that it's necessary for us to throw that off in order to put on the Lord Jesus. As I showed the kids in the in the slideshow, when you see people walking down the red carpet in those big Hollywood award shows, they always ask them, "Who are you wearing?" And they always, you know, they have, they have the speech memorized. I am wearing, you know, so-and-so, and this is their dress model, so-and-so. And, you know, I don't know either of those. I don't know the designer, and I don't know the model. But they sounded good, right? Right. They told you what they were wearing. You see, when they go out on that red carpet and they're walking down in that dress, they're not just representing themselves. By wearing that designer, they are representing the designer as well. So the designer is getting credit for the beautiful dress that they have put on that person. Now, it helps that the models are beautiful to start with, right? But the dresses really highlight the beauty that's already there. And what Christ does for us is exactly the same thing. He highlights the beauty of God that is in each and every one of us through the presence of Christ in us. And when people see us, we can tell them, I was designed by Jesus Christ. I have His love. I have His mercy. I have His grace. I have His compassion for the lost. I have Jesus. And that's what Paul wants the world to see when they look at us. That they don't even notice us because the garment of the armor of light is so beautiful, it takes their breath away. But in order to put on Christ, Paul is very clear. First, throw off the works of darkness. He is definitely not inviting you to come up with some combo way of dressing where you have Parts of the armor of light and parts of the work of darkness working together. It doesn't work. It's like when I was younger and I used to wear like orange with green and my wife would just scream. It doesn't work. It doesn't go together. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, let us walk decently as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in illicit sex and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. He says, instead, 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 in place of, in replacement of, put on Christ. It's not take a little bit from here and a little bit from there. It's replace it altogether. Jesus does not come to us as an adornment like earrings or a piece of jewelry that you could just add to your ensemble. He comes as one who completely transforms our lives from the inside out. He changes every single aspect of our lives. He doesn't merely cover the darkness. He replaces it with light. I want you to think about how beautiful that is. Christ replaces our darkness with his light. And so when people look at us, they see the light of Christ reflected. They see the beauty of Jesus and not our own beauty, and he gets the glory for it all. He gets the praise. He is the one that is being showcased when we walk down the red carpet of life and we show ourselves to others. Paul tells the Christians in Rome, wake up from your sleep. Because when we wake up from sleep, we dress up for the day. Well, except during COVID. During COVID, we woke up in pajamas, lived in pajamas, Went back to bed in pajamas and did that 24-7 for who knows how long, right? Did you ever notice how hard it was to get going when you never took off your pajamas? When you never dressed for the day? During that COVID time, I have to tell you that it got to a point on Sundays where I dressed up like if I was coming to church. Even if I had recorded my sermon in advance, I'd dress up like I was going to church. Because in the dressing up, I got my mind and my heart and my spirit in an attitude of worship. And then when we went into the living room to watch the online worship service that we had recorded, I was ready and prepared to fully engage in what God had for me in that day. What Paul was saying is there's something to be said for dressing up for the day that you're expecting to engage in. So dress up with the armor of light. Put on Christ, because each one of us has a debt of love to our neighbor that needs to be satisfied every single day. Paul closes by telling The Christians in Rome, don't make provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. Don't make room for selfishness, for envy, for evil, for intentions that are not godly, for lies, for coveting, for all of the top ten. And don't quarrel and don't engage in jealousy and don't engage in illicit sex. He says, don't do these things that you know don't get you ready for the day of the Lord. Let's instead put on the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can love our neighbor as we love ourselves. That was the commandment that Jesus gave us. You remember that? He said, two things love God for your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So let us put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's wear him proudly. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to wear Christ, to put on Christ in our daily lives. We thank you, Lord, because we know that it allows us to love our neighbor. It allows us to live our lives in ways that bring you glory. It allows us, O Lord, to try to walk in your ways in everything we do. We ask on this day, Lord that if there's anything that need, we need to throw off in our lives, that we need to take off in order to put on Christ, that this very day we will leave it at the altar, that we will leave it at your feet, and that we will put on Christ. Help us, O oh Lord, to love that neighbor that we, have, we find hard to love. Help us to love those who have hurt us and who want, we might even consider enemies. Help us to pray for them and to intercede for them. Help us to have the love of Christ that wins over people into the kingdom of God. We pray that today in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is open. If there's anything that you need to put off, Jesus is right here ready to take it and to give you the armor of light.